0: I want you to notice what the text says. It says, he, that's what Jesus said, he dwells with you, speaking of the Spirit of God, and will be in you. He dwells with you, and he will be in you. He dwells with you, and he will be where? In you. I want to talk for just a few minutes on what happens between the with you and the in you. Between the with you and the in you is a shift. There was a shift that took place. There was a transition that took place, a change, a new idiom of thought. In other words, they would not have a concept in those days of with and in because God was only with, so it changed its paradigm. It was a new concept that God, the God of heaven, who dwelled with you as a people for thousands of years would now be in you. There was no perception of that. We, we take that for granted because we no one was good enough. Nobody was pure enough. Nobody was holy enough for God to ever dwell inside of somebody, but he would use them. So he would be with them. He'd be among them. He would even come on his prophets and come on certain kings and certain men of war at certain times, but never in so there's a purpose for that because God in these last days wants to invade the world and he does that by he starts to do that by invading you first He can't invade the world without you and I and at the moment of our salvation we got born again the Bible says that the spirit of God dwelled in us so now uh, we have been born again and the proof of that is he lives and dwells inside of us. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is another level, it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells on the inside of us. And right now, we are in the season of atonement. and But there are two other seasons. There's Pentecost and then there's also Passover. Passover is all about how the children of Israel were being told by, by the father that they were going to, uh, uh, by, by God the father through Moses, that they were going to be released into the wilderness to worship him, and then they were going to be uh, led into the promised land. And so God had to lead them out, and he did that, and it's like when God began to move on their behalf, it was like all hell broke out. And it got tougher for them than it was when God never promised it to begin with. So sometimes we get upset because we think God's not for us or he's not working with us because life gets tough right after the promise comes or the, the prophecy comes or, you know, something we get from prayer from the Lord. But that's pretty normal. What we just got to do is make up our mind to press through and press in and get through it because not many days after that you're going to get your breakthrough. I'm, I'm trying to teach you without preaching it for just a minute if I can. So, um, so he says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. This is, what, this is the last plague that's going to happen. And he said, then I'm going to lead you out into the, into the wilderness and into the promised land. And that is this, that um, I'm going to send the death spirit into Egypt. And all the firstborn males will be destroyed, will be killed, if they do not have the blood of a lamb, a perfect lamb, applied on the doorposts and the mantles of every home. He said, and when I see the blood, if I say the blood... And when I see the blood, I will what? I will pass over that household. In other words, I will keep them safe and sound and no destruction will come by. Why did the blood cause the Passover? Because when that spirit of death saw, saw the blood, he knew that death had already been there. The death of that lamb. Come on, somebody. The shedding of that blood. Jesus is now the sacrificial lamb and his blood is sufficient, completely and entirely for the payment of my sin and yours. I deserve death, but he took on that debt, because the wage of sin is death. He took on that debt, debt and died in my place, and now what should have taken me out has now passed over me. How many saved folks do we have in the house tonight? Would you just touch your neighbor and just say, you'd be surprised at what has passed over me in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised at what almost took me out. You'd be surprised at what came up against me. You'd be surprised at what I had to walk through. You'd be surprised at what, what they did to me. You'd be surprised at the things I had to endure. But I made it out by way of his blood. Come on, somebody. The precious blood of the Lamb. How many remember also? It reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Everybody say, thank God for the precious blood of Jesus. Never going to lose his power. Sin, sickness, Poverty, guilt, shame, condemnation has passed over me. But God has never passed over me. God will never pass by me. God has already chosen me. Already chosen me. And Passover had to come before Pentecost could come. And Pentecost is a New Testament concept. So all we have with God's seasonal calendar, we did have the time of Pentecost, but it was never known as that 50 days after Passover. And it was why? Because it was the moment that God poured out his spirit and the greatest magnitude the earth has ever known to the 120 people that were up in that upper room in Jerusalem. And they all spoke with tongues and received the the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Before Jesus dies... And is raised from the dead. And before he ascends to the father, he talks to his disciples and he says, I'm going to transition. And the world in you won't see me anymore. Okay? I've been with you, but I'm going to be in you. So I'm I'm, I'm now going to move into a transition. Everything's about to shift and you won't recognize me the way that I was. Up until now, I've done everything with you. I've turned water into wine with you. I have uh, healed the 10 lepers with you. I've healed the blinded eyes with you. I fed the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves with you. I did it so you could see who I am. I did it so you would recognize me as God in the earth because you had no reference point. Uh, I did it so you would know more of me, how I move, how I, how I flow. I did it so you'd sense me, understand my presence. I did it so you'd know my voice and a stranger you would never follow. Jesus was saying, I'm getting ready to do undercover work so that I can infiltrate this entire world. You might not see me, but I am going to be there by my spirit. And that's why it's called a walk of faith, y'all, because I know he's in me, not because I'm good enough, not because I did all the right things, not because I crossed on my T's and dotted all my I's on the line at the right time. I know that he lives in me because he said he lived in me the moment he forgave me of my sin. Woo, it's easy to preach up in here tonight. Jesus was saying up until now, I've been with you. But from this point forward, I'm going to be in you. People might think that it was just you who walked into that room. But unbeknownst to them, Jesus walked in. Come on, somebody. In other words, wherever you go, he goes. I said, wherever you go, he goes. You better take that tomorrow with you wherever you go, praise God. When you walked in that bar, he walked in with you. Are you happy about that? When you went to the club, hey, Jesus walked in with you. Are you happy about that? Oh, y'all don't want to talk, when you're on that computer screen, watching them TV shows, um, Hulu and, and who knew, and, and um, what's the other one, Netflix? My, wife, my, my, my kids always say, Dad, it's not Netflix, it's Netflix. Okay, whatever. Nitwits, I don't know what's called, praise God. When you put it on, uh, is, it, is it okay? Is you feel comfortable that Jesus is watching the program with you? Can we just tell the truth and shame the devil and get it over with? Amen. It'll give you a new inspiration of how to walk your walk with Christ. Amen. Yeah, I I, I tell you what, it's, it's amazing. When you show up, the Holy Ghost shows up with you. They may not see him, but he lives and abides in you. God loves discovery. He loves to be found. I don't know what it is about him. He just digs it. He's into that. He likes that people will look for him. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. The Bible says, uh, God said, I have hidden my laws in your heart for you to find out. Bible says, I do nothing unless I reveal my secrets to my servants, the prophet. And then Jesus said, when you go into your room, shut your door and your father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. something about God liking to get alone with us and revealing something of a secret and whispering in our ear to change our lives. There's also something about him. He likes people to go after him, to look for him. And I know the faith people get a little bit upset by that and that's usually the crowd I run with and 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 all that because they say, well, you already got God, you, you need to seek God. But that's not what it's saying. Come on, let's get it real. I know we got him, but we're seeking after him. We're seeking his ways. We're seeking what he likes and what he doesn't like. You ever thought about what what do you like, God? What are you interested in? See, I'm seeking him, going after him. And he loves that. This was a new concept uh, to them, but it was not a new concept in the Old Testament. Um... Because we see this happening. Now, Joseph in the Old Testament was a type of Christ. And that's just, that's understood by all theologians. He was a type of Christ. He was honored by his father above all the other brethren. Because God was gonna honor his son above all other brethren. The Bible talks about the fact that that Joseph um, was given this coat by his father as a coat of favor, and God gave his son favor when he came to planet earth. And that coat of Joseph was ripped off of his back, just like the righteousness that Jesus walked in, into the world with. The Bible says he enclothed himself, disrobed himself of all divine privileges, had to walk as a man. Uh, Joseph was uh, sold out by his brothers for 25 pieces of silver Jesus was sold out by his brothers for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Joseph was thrown into a pit. Jesus was thrown into the pit of despair in the garden of Gethsemane. Joseph was then placed into prison. After Jesus had died, Jesus went into hell to regain the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He was placed in a prison, so to speak. Joseph was raised out of prison. And he was given promotion. Jesus came up out of the grave. Come on, somebody. Regained the keys back and for us and gives us the keys of the kingdom. And then what? Ascends to his Father in heaven. Joseph becomes the man who's going to deliver his people. Joseph literally goes undercover in Egypt. Nobody knows who he is. Even his brothers, when they run into him, don't recognize. Y'all don't want to hear this tonight. Don't even recognize who he is, but God had already placed a plan in place, put it in place so that they could be rewarded because there was a great famine that broke out on the earth. And God was using Joseph to redeem his family. That makes Joseph the kinsman redeemer. Redeemer. And you can't, come on, y'all, you can't have a redemption unless you got a kinsman who can redeem you. So somebody in the family has got to redeem you, and Jesus is our elder brother, and the Holy Ghost is the one who redeemed us. Come on. Amen. Church, just because you haven't seen your manifestation yet doesn't mean it's not there. Like Joseph going undercover, and he stayed under the radar, it's undercover you're healed, it's just undercover right now. You're rich. It's just undercover right now. You've been delivered, come on, it's just undercover right now. So Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem. He says, go and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And that's when a shift took place in the earth. And it went from a one-man model Jesus being the son of man but the son of God walking on earth declaring the ways of God as God in a man's body and his message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he's convincing everyone and miracle signs and wonders are breaking out everywhere and fame is going everywhere about him watch out for fame because it's a double edged sword because the fame went out and was a blessing to bring a lot of people out so they could be touched and hear about God but there's a whole other people said we hate him we want him dead and so he's, he's only ministering as the father tells him the minister he's only one man but he says you're going to go to Jerusalem and there you'll be endued with power and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth but I don't know they had a clue what he was really talking about until it actually took place. Jesus was the one man model. And now he says, I want everybody to get filled with my spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus abiding inside of us. So one could put a thousand to flight. But if you get two of us together, we can put ten thousand to flight. Y'all don't want to hear that? That's why I know I know how important church is. Not fringe ministry, not hanging out in the, you know, once in a while, coming to church. But we need each other. I need you, you need me, because we can put so much more to fight. We can we can mm, I can say it better in tongues. We can kick the devil. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And get a release of God's angels on the earth if we'll come together. Where two or more are gathered together in His name, if they touch and agree, it will be done of my Father. And not a two-fold cord, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. And that's why the Bible says how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil, the precious oil that flows down the head of Aaron on his beard and down the edge of his garments. Oh, what is the oil? It is the representation of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And when God's people get together in unity, there's a flow of the Holy Ghost. Come on, someone say amen to that. (laughs) In Acts chapter 2, it says that when they were all, Together, not really, didn't quite say that. When they all finally gathered, no, didn't say that. When they all just met, no. It said, when they were all together in one accord in church, I just told our leaders last Sunday, we've got to protect this move of God we've got to protect each other because if the enemy can do anything and does it very, very good, he will call strife and division within this body if he can't get from the inside he'll go from the outside, he'll get you not liking that person because they said that and offended about that person because they thought they, used, they, they how come they rolled their eyes at me they, they had something in their eye, what's wrong with you well, it like they wrote, but they didn't. They didn't. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Love them anyways. Maybe they're having a bad, bad day and just didn't have you on their Messiah. You're not that important right now. Amen. And so we got to remember, if the enemy can do anything, and he does very I will give him credit on that. He'll do very good. He's sneaky. He gets us disliking one another, talking behind each other's back, and causing strife and division. But when the brethren dwell together in unity, that's when the flow comes and when the up the 120 were in the upper room and they were in one accord. I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know. I'm just throwing I'm, something I just thought about this afternoon. I'll just throw it right out there. What if it didn't have to take him 40 days to get to that one accord. What if the Holy Spirit wanted to show up the first day but they were still arguing and still messing around and still not totally committed and wondering and doubtful? Come on, y'all. But they finally got in a place where they were praying and seeking God and they were in one voice, one accord. Our church has never been in this kind of unity in 19 years of its existence, has never been in this place before. That's why we protect it, because we're just human beings after all. And we're not not perfect, but we gotta say, we gotta get past that and learn to walk in mercy and grace and forgiveness so we can get in one accord and stay in one accord. Because when they finally got in one accord, the Bible says, suddenly... I don't know about you, but I am ready. I am ready tonight. Not even tomorrow, but tonight before I leave this place for us suddenly to show up. Turn around tonight. Man, what happens when we get in one accord? Suddenly it's happened and the Bible says that something like a rushing, the sound of the rushing of wind, like a mighty wind, blew into that place. I mean, it went from zero to 80 in 1.2 seconds. I mean, the atmosphere changed. Heaven showed up on earth. Angels were everywhere. God was in throne, was overlooking heaven. I mean, literally a portal of heaven opened over that upper room. And I'm going to tell you, it was so strong that the people in the streets knew something was up, but they didn't know what it was. They heard the sound. I can preach on that for a long time, and faith building's got to have its sound. Amen. We got to have a sound coming out of this place that's attractive to the world to get them in this place to find their healing and get saved, restored. And the Bible says they were all, every one of them, bang, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then a sign and a wonder. See, signs, wonders, and miracles showed up. And a cloven tongue of fire sat on each one of them, on top of each one of them, and they were filled, and they began to speak in other languages to the point where everybody thought they were drunk and out of their minds. And then the greatest messenger, preached came out of Peter, right after being filled with the Holy Ghost. Suddenly, suddenly, I'm talking about that back pain you got. Suddenly, crack! What the? What the? I'm talking about you've been believing God and just bang, there it is. You wake up morning, that chronic pain you've been dealing with in your stomach, gone, just gone. That's what we got to be believing God for. It might take me six months of my prayer. It might take me a little bit to get my faith wrapped around it. Like it took him a little time to get in that place of one accord. But once I get in one accord with God's word, <laughs> suddenly it's beginning to take place. I'm going to leave it right there. We'll pick up next week. Did you all enjoy the message so far? Because we're late.